Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, where myself, Matt Lane, and Craig Stout all get together to talk about last week's game, look ahead to next week's opponents. Uh, We don't have a game to talk about because the Chiefs have already played the Rams. We discussed that uh, in detail uh, last week before Thanksgiving. So uh, we'll, we'll look ahead to the Raiders. We'll talk a little bit about Chris Jones. Um, we'll talk about a few other things with Craig as well. And then we'll do a big mailbag. Uh, as we do every week, we've got uh, some questions to, uh, to answer. Uh, most of it is not about the Raiders. It's about a lot of other things. Uh, first, just wanted to talk a little bit about Eric Berry, though. Uh, he is reportedly going to be practicing this week. Uh, that's great news. It's obviously uh, very exciting uh, to, to hear that that's happening. Um, as far as expectations, though, I don't know um, how um, optimistic we should be that he plays this week. I think this is a week to hit for him to knock off the rust. In fact, I'm, I'm kind of not opposed to, to the Chiefs waiting until Thursday night football in week 15 to bring him back. Um, it, it's just a weird, the way the schedule's set up, I think, you know, he'll be practicing this week, getting his legs back underneath him. You could play him in uh, against the, I believe it's the Ravens after that. Um, but the thing about that is it's a short turnaround between the Ravens and, and Thursday night football against the Chargers. So I'm almost wondering if the Chiefs should just bring him back for Thursday night football. The defense gets introduced and, and he gets some of his first reps against the Chargers that week. Just because from a recovery perspective, having a guy off for so long, dealing with you know the, um, the deformity in his Achilles area, feel like it's it's a tough tough ask for him to try to recover from some of that from a from a Sunday to Thursday turnover so it'd be interesting to see when he actually hits the field and how much he gets utilized maybe it's a little bit on Sunday get let him go through the warm-ups get through all that get some reps under his belt and then be utilized a little bit more heavily on Thursday but still it's just you know it's a pain management thing and, and just trying to get him put in the best position but I think from a communication standpoint, it's going to be a great help for him to be on the field. Um, you know, you saw you saw Dan Sorensen his struggles the last couple of weeks coming off of the the injury. So you know, I I don't know what to expect as far as on field performance from him. Uh, it's it's just going to be nice to see him back. And you know, seventy five percent of Eric Berry is still very valuable to this team. Uh, just as to see how much he's actually able to produce once he's on the field. Um, the uh, the Chiefs had a a big favor done to them uh, by the Denver Broncos. Thanks, Denver. They beat the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, gave them their third loss of the season. So now the Chiefs have a very comfortable lead as far as getting one of those bye weeks and and the one seed in general because Pittsburgh uh, has caught another loss. Um, I think what you want at this point is for the Steelers in week 15 to beat the New England Patriots at home. That's a big week for the Chiefs. They play on that Thursday night against the Chargers. We just talked about that. That about locks up everything for them uh, on the AFC West side. And then they can about lock that one seat up if the uh, if the if the Patriots incur another loss. That would be a, a huge swing for them. The only other team you're really looking out for is, is probably Houston, and I think that they would have some of the tiebreakers against Houston too. So um, the Chiefs are well-positioned. I think they could even lose one game and probably still have everything that they want. 
uh, in front of them. Uh, I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion that they're going to wind up with a bye. I think it's very feasible that they end up with the one seed and have home field advantage throughout the AFC side of the playoffs. Bring Rat on here in a second, talk to Craig later, and then end the show with a giant mailbag. And it's time to bring Matt Lane onto our show. Matt, how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was good. Enjoyed some leftover sandwiches. I know you're not a fan of them. It's okay. I had plenty for both of us. My Thanksgiving. I love. You can't Hold walk on. this back. You can't walk it back. You said on the podcast that I don't eat leftover turkey sandwiches. I just have another Thanksgiving meal, which is fine. It's cool. You hate leftover turkey sandwiches. It's over. That's, Let it go. It's not. I had a turkey sandwich today. Okay. <laughs> uh, I just, I had to try to get my my response in before you, you know, monologued for, you know, three or four minutes. Um, so draft but, talks okay. coming up is what you're telling me. <laughs> um, can we talk about, I, I wanted to talk about Chris Jones. I don't think we talked about him on this show last week, but like we were all in our DMs together with Craig and you just jumped in just like reminding us like, how amazing Chris Jones has become. He's on a hot streak. I think he's got sacks in seven straight games. He's actually tied with D Ford in sacks now. He has nine sacks in seven games. Yeah, so seven straight games with a sack, two of them obviously with two sacks then. And yeah, nine sacks, seven games. And he's just he's on a tear right now. I know ESPN LA or whatever that production was of that game spent the whole time talking <laughs> about the Rams for everybody. Like, I mean, literally, I think we got a documentary life story autobiography of Aaron Donald and like the only Chris Jones mention you got was oh Chris Jones made a force to fumble here and got a sack so it was just it was really weird to see Chris Jones play almost if not at the same level as Aaron Donald for at least that game and just barely get any coverage over it because the team didn't win and because he's not Aaron Donald but he was I mean he was unblockable for the Rams that game and it's not like they have a poor offensive line like some other teams the Chiefs have played Reds lately Right. Chris Jones really uh, channeled his inner Aaron Donald on that sack fumble, didn't he? Oh, man, he's been amazing. The ability <laughs> that he has, um, I'm skipping this, to cross the face of a guard in front of him has gotten, I mean, it's huge this year. It's, he's always been explosive laterally like that. But I think you can really tell, especially later in games and stuff, that he's slimmed down a little bit this year and he's a little bit more, not necessarily professional, but more businesslike. He's a little slimmer and better shape because once he crosses the face of a guard, like he's just manipulating his body in just different angles than he has been able to before to corner on the interior a little bit. He's you no know, not quite this tight of a corner as Donald will make or something like that, but he's turning a corner on these guards and in between centers, and then he's also got those freakishly long arms and the strength just to throw people out of the way. It's it's been a pleasure to watch, and quite simply, like before this year. I was kind of on the fence about like, do you want to do Chris Jones right away as far as extending him or wait another year? He's almost played up to the point down the stretch here where you kind of have to start having those talks pretty quickly too. Right. That's a, it's a good, it's a good problem to have because I mean, you've got Tyreek Hill looming. You've got Chris Jones contract looming. I mean, those are two dudes that you, you, you clearly want to be part of the plan moving forward. Right, and I definitely think you have to start working on Tyreek Hill now. Receiver contracts are only going to keep going up right now, so you do got to start working on it, and that's why I kind of thought, okay, you can wait on Chris Jones maybe because last year was up and down, kind of like his rookie year. There's a lot more good than bad, but you were still waiting for him to really put it all together. And even starting this year, it was the same thing. It was big flash, big flash, but a few, you know, not getting set on a double team or shooting through a gap when he may not have needed to. But these last few weeks, I mean, he's reduced the negative plays and he's just making massive play after massive play to the point that he's unblockable even with double teams. And if you have a team that's doubling him and leaving Ford and now Houston with single coverage or just help from a running back on the outside, it's just getting a little crazy. Yeah, no, they're they're uh, they're trending up on that side of the ball, especially with that pass rush. Um, wanted to talk to you uh, real quick about the Raiders' defense, what you saw from them, uh, <laughs> what you probably didn't see from them, actually. Yeah, I've watched a couple of the Raiders' games this year and just trying to pinpoint like exactly what they're not doing well on defense, and it's kind of everything. They're, <laughs> they're slow in the wrong parts of their defense. They're small in the wrong parts of the defense. Like, they get no pass rush. Their only pass rush comes from Arden Key occasionally, but it's not consistent. 
or Maurice Hurst through some interior pressure, which is great. But if you have nobody that's even capable of trying to get to the edge on the outside, it's too easy for any quarterback, mobile quarterback in today's NFL to escape the pocket. Their corners can be attacked downfield. Garyon Conley was playing pretty well for him this last week. He made a couple plays, but then at the same time, he still gets lost in some of their different coverage schemes. Their safeties don't help him at all. It's, just, it's a train wreck all over the field, offense, defense, wherever you want to look for the Raiders right now. Well, that's delightful. I can't wait to watch it. Uh, I'll bring we'll bring you back here on here in a minute uh, after uh, we talk to Craig. How about that? And it is time to welcome on the man that just celebrated his seventieth Thanksgiving, Craig Stout. What's going on, buddy? Not much, Kent. I'm I'm still on my trip to Fan Hayes from uh, from Thanksgiving. Ate turkey for so many days in a row that I'm just gonna try and keep riding this as long as possible and just be generally sleepy for as long as possible. If I could eat turkey, Thanksgiving turkey, still I absolutely would be. I I ate so many duplications of my plate. Like over the entire weekend, it was delightful. My mom made thirty pounds of mashed potatoes. Thirty pounds, thirty yes. pounds of mashed potatoes. It was incredible. God, it was the best. Like we had a lot of people in town, but like we had like a whole pan left over or like a uh, crock pot full. It was it was amazing. So I was just I'm I would still be eating if I was nearby, but I'm not. Um, hey, so I had a question for you. Uh, Arrowhead Pride Twitter account at Arrowhead Pride. I think Pete put this out. He said, you know, add one player to the Chiefs regardless of the contra- contractual obligations. Who would you add to this Chiefs roster? You know, when I read this, my very first reaction was Aaron Donald because that seems like the logical answer. We've got our quarterback. You need the best defensive player in the NFL. But I actually think that the Chiefs defensive line, you know, up front is actually pretty good between Chris Jones, D4, Justin Houston. I Aaron Donald definitely makes them better and makes an impact, but they need help behind that. So I'm going to go with Luke Keekley in this one. I, I thought about Bobby Wagner as well, but we need a guy that can play the run really well. He's definitely going to improve the run defense, and he's going to be great against the pass as well. I think that shores up multiple problems on the Chiefs' front seven, forces other teams to have to throw at the Chiefs' corners that have been pretty good this year, kind of shores up a lot of things for him yeah that would help uh did, did you see what my did you see what i chose yeah i did i did see what you chose <laughs> what do you think i picked tom brady just because you keep yeah, him because you the take Patriots. him away from yeah. new england that's yeah that's not a I like your logic is sound i mean I, i'm on board with it does does luke cake does luke kick keekly against tom like is that is that a bigger impact or just not having tom like that's the question I was asking. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's definitely a, a hell of a question. Problem is when they go up against Pittsburgh or Tennessee or somebody like that. Tennessee having Tom sitting on the bench behind uh, behind old Pat doesn't really do us much good. I'm not scared of Ben. I'm not scared of Road Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That dude. That dude is like. That dude is like. I don't know. Terra bad on the road. Um, okay. I want to just a couple questions about, I just want to know about the Raiders offense. What have you seen from uh, the, something that has John Gruden's f- fingerprints all over it? What did you think? Oh, but first of all, nobody should ever have John Gruden's fingerprints on anything. <laughs> it's, it's, it's rough. Uh, I got really excited for Chiefs football this week. And then I started watching the Raiders and I got less excited. Uh, they, they run a lot of 12, 21, 22 personnel, which the Chiefs aren't great against, but they don't really have the athletes to really exploit it, run a lot of inside zone. The Chiefs should be able to do some damage against that. They don't really run very many stretch plays unless they're end of rounds, and they've been handing the ball off to Jordy Nelson, who at this point in his career is just super slow and the Chiefs linebackers and safety should be able to play downhill and catch up with them on the outside and then in the passing game they run a flat route on just about everything that they do and (laughs) Derek Carr wants to throw it on everything that they do so they just kind of do these four yard passes all game long 
And if you can take that away a little bit, then Carr panics. And he's been terrible throwing the ball downfield. Uh, the tackles have been getting beat inside a lot. I just don't really see anything but defensive success this week. I think the Chiefs are going to pressure him. And Derek Carr might not finish this game the way that the <laughs> Chiefs have been rushing the passer. So it, it should be a fairly easy game. For, against the Chiefs defense. Do you want to hear something uh, really exciting, Craig? You get to do this preview twice this year. Oh, no. <laughs> I See, by week 17, the Chiefs are going to be in the playoffs and they're going to have their spot locked up and everything like that. So I get to talk about what Charvarius Ward and Jordan Lucas are going to do against the Raiders offense, and I'm, I'm here for that. Really excited to see the Chiefs call up Chase Litton for that game. And just give him the the Patrick Mahomes Week 17 treatment like he got last year. We can start that hype train for QB two. Um, okay, so Pete asks a, Pete asked a question, so I just thought I'd throw it on here because uh, it's just about you. Uh, football or football? Uh, if you have to give up watching one the rest of your life, which way do you go, Craig? The bullet. <laughs> I, this uh, Pete. This is literally the hardest question that anybody's ever asked on the show. And I know it's going to piss a lot of people off, but I I got to give up watching American football. You what? Know, I, I grew up with soccer. I love soccer. I love everything about it. I've been, it's been my entire life thus far. And the way I saw this question earlier, so I started thinking about it a little bit because it was a tough one. And the way that I rationalized it, the Chiefs have had tons of heartbreaking, heartbreaking playoff losses. They take time to get over with. I still get a little bit angry every once in a while about some of the ways that they've fallen apart and not been able to get the job done. But U.S. soccer didn't make the last World Cup, and I am still not over it. Blood-boiling anger when i think about it it's just it's a life altering thing for me so i i got i gotta go with sticking with soccer so let me get this straight you would rather watch seth sinovic than patrick mahomes the rest of your life no see that's that you can't do that i'd, I'd what? rather what? Uh, how can i not no, you literally no, have just got I, done telling me that you don't want to watch you'd rather watch Matt Beasler defend the net or defend, you know, around the net. Not he's not the goalie, I know, but like, you know, he's a defender. I mm. I'm I'm, look, I'm looking forward to you get get your way through this. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you you'd rather watch uh Johan Croise, your favorite player, <laughs> instead of Patrick Mahomes. I it, no, see that's not I I can't I can't do that. I you remember when I said that I the bullet first <laughs> i know th- th- this I this is unacceptable i i i am pretty sure i'm pretty sure we have to stop the show like yeah. i think that's what it yeah. is like you've got to yeah. go you're rele- you're relegated i'm i'm relegated <laughs> look at these soccer We're, jokes I'm yeah just, look at those soccer terms I'm, I'm actually a little bit impressed by that you're one. welcome so uh i'm gonna go down to the lower leagues where i'm gonna sit and do the uh the ap uh junior laboratory by myself it's uh it's the uh it's the blue testament laboratory okay i'm fine with that i'll go talk soccer with those guys well i mean that's great but we're gonna miss you and also i hate you so uh how about we how about we bring maddie on do a mailbag and we are all together again about to uh talk about your questions uh all three of us are here together uh at Airs Oceans asks, assuming KC stays the course and locks down the one or two seed, what does the potential road to the Super Bowl look like? Anyone that they do uh, or don't want to see? I actually kind of we I wanted to talk about some of these things anyway, so just kind of kind of take it a few different directions. I'll just I'll just I have like six things I want to ask you guys, and we'll just go from there. So um, we. We asked. I asked you guys just kind of do like the playoff predictor on ESPN. If you guys have never seen that, it's a, it's a machine that you can kind of like pick all the games and it'll kind of give you the playoff scenarios. Um, go. I want you guys to kind of just lay out your one through six seeds. Um, I'll start. I picked KC one seed, New England two, Houston three, Pittsburgh four, 
the Chargers five and Baltimore six. I have an entirely different seating here. So Woo! strap up, put the seatbelts on. We got the Chiefs at number one. Steelers coming in hot with the second seed. New England with the three seed. Houston with the four seed. I swear, if the Chiefs got to play that schedule that they played, they would be undefeated, hands down. <laughs> Indianapolis with the fifth seed. And Denver coming in with the sixth seed. Yeah. That last week 17 matchup with the Chargers goes their way in Denver. So we get the Broncos sneaking in with a 10-6 and six record. Hey, I'm, I'm here for it. I think they're the better team than the Chargers right now. For me... I'm a combination of you guys. I got KC, number one, New England, number two, Houston as the three seed, Pitt as the four, Indianapolis as the five, and Denver as the six. It's a good list. I uh, Okay, so I wanted to ask all of you guys, who would you most want to see in the divisional round? I think for me on that list, I, I think it'd probably be Denver of all those teams that we just discussed. I think mine would be Denver. Oh, Houston, easily. They don't want to try to beat Denver for a third time. Beating a team three times in one year is difficult. And but really, Case Den- Keenum. Case Keenum. Denver's played us pretty tight. And, I mean, you're starting to see they've beat some other pretty good teams lately. So it's not just a fluke that they played hard and better against us. I've been, that defense isn't really a joke. They're playing good right now. Not that I don't think we would beat them, but Houston. I mean, Houston. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm going the completely opposite way. I want to exercise some demons. Give me the Colts. Give me the Steelers. Let's beat them. Let's get these monkeys off the Chiefs' back. Let's do it all this offseason. You're just, you're just going for every single narrative of the last 25 years of our existence. We're, we're breaking them all. Well, how are we going to play New England, too? I, we'll play them in the AFC Championship. So we're gonna, we can't play three games, though. That's, that's all I'm saying. That's true. No, no. I want either Indy or Pitt. Gotcha. Just one of those two. Ah, yeah. oh, because it'd be yeah. the divisional round. That makes sense. Okay, right. yeah. I yeah. get you. I get you. Um, okay, so who is a, a a sneaky upset candidate? Um, I think you know what I. I'm a little scared of the Chargers, uh, just because they're they're a tough team. We'll see how this next game goes. I mean, we still the Chiefs still have one play one one game to go here, so. Uh, the Chargers, the Chargers would be a sneaky, would be a, a sneaky upset candidate. Is this for the playoffs or just like the rest of the year? This is just for the playoffs. And to beat the Chiefs or to make it to the Super Bowl. I was to beat on, the Chiefs. To beat the Chiefs. To beat sorry. the Chiefs. I mean, if we're considering the Chiefs are the first seed, I mean, it's not really a sneaky upset. But I mean, I still have the Steelers as the next biggest threat, and we've already beat them once. They're coming off a pretty rough loss in Denver, but. As I like, you guys talked about earlier, the road bin isn't the same as home bin. While I agree, it still just takes any game for that offense to click, and that offense is great as the Chiefs' offense is. The Steelers' offense, when they all click on the same cylinders, can be just as good. They're the one team that I think could actually go toe to toe with the Chiefs and score up into the fifties, like the Rams did. So, like, they're the one team that I think has the best chance to beat them. And see, mine is kind of tags up with what Matt had said earlier. It's the Broncos. Uh, the Broncos have run the ball well against this Chiefs defense. They've kept Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. They've actually pressured him well, forced him into some mistakes there. The worst two defensive performances in my mind were the two Denver Broncos games because they were able to control the clock. That's how I think you can beat this Chiefs team in the playoffs in January in Arrowhead keep him on the sidelines so i'm going broncos okay so uh one more question on this i wanted to ask what you guys think the most likely loss for the rest of the season is um i i think i I, i'm most likely loss i'd say probably the chargers just because i mean they're they're still a good football team they're they're not as uh as terrifying as as their record maybe indicates but they're still a good football team the Chargers, for me, are just a weird one because they literally just don't show up to play the Chiefs besides Melvin Gordon, who may be injured or not even play in that game. Like, he's the only Charger that ever shows up to play the Chiefs right now, so I can't be – I mean, they just don't scare me yet. Until they do it again, they haven't beat us in, like, 18 years. So I'm actually going to go with the Raiders 
but in week 17 Woo! as we rest everybody because we have the one seed <laughs> locked up. And even then, we still probably beat the Raiders, let's be real. But I'm going to go with the Raiders in that scenario as the most likely loss. Okay, I see what That's... you did there. Gotcha. <laughs> that, was, that was not bad. That was not bad. For me, it's... Uh... The Chiefs are fantastic at home. I think there's a couple teams that could really challenge them away from home that they have left on their schedule. It's not Oakland this week. Seattle might give them a shot, their best shot, in that stadium. They run the ball really well. That's what the Chiefs do poorly. Again, I'm I'm sticking with this whole, when you keep Patrick Mahomes on the sidelines, the team is bad. So I'm going to go with Seattle. Okay, so uh wanted to go. This is I'm gonna, I wanted to ask basically your guys' expectations for the rest of the season, how far the Chiefs go, but we're going to do a little differently. We're going to do over under on the Chiefs draft slot set at 28 and a half. 28 and a half means underneath that the Chiefs lose in the divisional round, over that they make it past the divisional round. So start there. Over. Over. I'm over too. Okay. So we're I I thought that one would be easy. I, how would I set it at the draft slot for the Chiefs at 30 and a half, which would mean that they are one of the Super Bowl participants if I gave you the over-under 30 and a half? This is tough for me because I'm not 100% sold on the Chiefs' ability to win close games and like close out like we talked about last week. But every time I watch the other teams in the AFC, I don't think any of them are a complete team either. So I think the Chiefs are the best of the bunch, so over. The Chiefs win by 16 points a game at home. I think they're the one seed. I think they're a Super Bowl team over. Whew. I, uh... Hmm. I'm Don't be homer. a coward, Kent. Don't I'm gonna be, be a, a coward. I'm going to be a homer. I'm kind of feeling... I After that Rams game, I actually kind of came away feeling a little bit more positive. I think the, I'm going to take the over. I know that sounds dumb because yes. we kind of flipped. We kind of inverted because, like... Maddie was like, "Oh yeah, we're Super Bowl locks like three weeks ago, and now he's less, he's more shook." I'm like a little bit more confident about this team now for some reason after seeing that game because I think there's a lot of things the Chiefs can do moving forward to to build off of what they did there. I think they're going to come out hot. Uh, at Swan nine thirty one asks, uh, Tyree Kill, Kareem Hunt, Chris Jones. You have to let one walk. Which one do you choose? It's Kareem Hunt, and it's not particularly close for me. Tyreek Hill is a top 10 wide receiver right now, maybe even a top 5. Those guys are hard to come by. He makes the offense go. He's really shown up and been just a a huge factor for this Chiefs offense, especially in games that Sammy Watkins wasn't able to go. And then Chris Jones right now might be the second or third best defensive player in the NFL. You can't let him walk either. Kareem's good, but those other two guys are just way better. Yeah, I'm with Craig there. It's got to be Kareem. And it kind of pains me because I think Kareem's actually made quite a few strides this year. I think he's playing better, even if the stats aren't quite as good as last year. Uh, for the whole season, but he's playing better to me. He's kind of improved his vision a little bit. He runs a little bit more patiently, and I really think they found something getting him on these sweeps and pitches where he's working like laterally along the line of scrimmage and then cutting straight up vertically rather than always working at a 45-degree angle. He just seems to run a little bit better that way. But at the end of the day, he's a running back. You can replace him with two guys that are going to be – not necessarily a complete player like him, but you get another good pass catcher and then another guy to run between the tackles, and you have almost what he does with the same two guys. You already use a committee anyway. You can't replace Hill or Chris Jones with five guys that you could just pick up in free agency or in the draft next year. So definitely going to have to be humped on this one. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I mean, it's just you, the drop-off between Hill and someone else and the drop-off between Chris Jones and someone else is just too much. Um, at Ashwami Ayub asks, Hey, just curious what your thoughts are on Dirty Dan so far this year. Seems to be getting beat every time I see him. First mailbag question ever. Big fan of the work y'all do. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Let's answer his question. Yeah, he's not been good. And Bob has put him back in that box safety role that we saw him in last year when they go to that 2-3-6 dime. It's not his best role. 
he's a better deep guy than he is a box guy, and he's not great in man-to-man coverage. We saw it at the end of last week when Everett toasted him on the outside. He's just not that guy. He's already a step slow because of this injury and trying to get back to it. He's being misused. I'd put him deep. He can't be worse than the guys that they got back there, honestly, even if he is a step slower. But, yeah, he's not been good. Yeah, and that was kind of what I wrote about this offseason when looking at Dan's film is, yeah, he can kind of play this dime linebacker role, but he's not really good at it. He made a lot of tackles for us last year, but they weren't particularly close to the line of scrimmage. They weren't always clean. He didn't process things quickly. He seemed to do better with more space between him than what he's trying to process than trying to do it through all the traffic from the box. And you're still seeing much of the same now. I'm with Craig. I don't think he's a very good single high safety, but he's better at that than he's been at the box safety. The Chiefs have been in a weird spot. They have a bunch of safeties, and this includes Armani Watts right now, and probably Eric Berry to some degree, that are probably all better in split safety looks, so like a cover two where they're splitting the deep paths of the field, and yet they're asking one to play in the box or man-to-man coverage and one to play single high. I get that's the, the defensive system. I'm not asking to change that. It's just a weird scenario to have all these different guys that are better in a way that we don't use them in as much. And Dan's suffering from everything Craig said. He's a step slower coming back from this injury, which is a major injury. And he just seems like he's in over his head, and it's already a position that he was barely afloat in to begin with. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. And that Gerald Everett play will be burned in my brain for a while. Uh, at, oh, my, at my guitar is his. Uh, does our offense... Uh, in a way, enable our defense to not perform as well? I thought it was an interesting question. I guess to some degree, this is always a thing. When you have a high-powered offense, if you score in less than a minute, your defense doesn't really get a true chance to rest. But at the same time, as much of that is, or as big of an impact as that has, it's countered by the fact that the opposing offense knows they have to score points to keep up. It's not like the Chiefs offense is going three and out and putting the defense back out there on short rest and with high pressure. They're going back out there on short rest, but they're getting to play with a little more freedom because they know the offense is scoring. So as a coach, you will most like nine times out of ten take the quick scoring offense if it's consistent as like it has been for the Chiefs over trying to say, hey, don't score so fast to help the defense out. Yeah, and from a yards per game standpoint, it it looks worse. I, everybody kept using the total yards that the Chiefs defense was giving up for the longest time. Booger famously lambasted the Chiefs as the worst in the league because of their total yardage. Well, you know, if the offense is scoring in a minute and a half and the Chiefs defense is having to come out there on the field for more and more and more drives, it's hard to stop an offense, even a bad one, for that long. So there is some of that there. But the other side of this is the Chiefs defense has good pass rushers. We're seeing that over the past three, four weeks, that they're really getting home, especially with Justin Houston back there on the field. Chris Jones looks great. D. Ford looks great. Those three guys get to tee off more when the offense is playing well. When they leap out and they force the opposition to throw more, to take deeper drops and try and run deeper routes to score quickly and keep up with the Chiefs, that's when those guys get to really pin their ears back and go and get them. It's, I, I think there's a little bit of a, a, a sword there, a, a two-bladed sword. Yeah, there's some upside to that too. I mean, you see, you're seeing what the pass rush is starting to do, starting to get home a little bit more. Um, but they are. The, the defense has played way more snaps than the offense has like I mean it's it's absurd how many snaps the defense is having to get out there and I mean some of the Chiefs I mean I the fifth like some the offense was in the 50s and some I think they might have even been the low 40s one game I'm gonna have to double check that one that's really low but I gotta double check that um at Lane JW asks should the Chiefs take the best D lineman edge corner prospect available one of those or do they desperately need a starting quality cornerback in this draft they likely need at least two and they can afford to or can they afford to wait until the second so i'm gonna try to make this not super long for everybody because i know kent's already sighing on the inside <laughs> yes the Chiefs should take the their best defensive line that's a pass rusher we don't need another nose tackle run stuffer edge or cornerback or even safety that's on their board when they pick it likely won't be safety unless Deontay Thompson drops for some miraculous reason. Would. The reason yeah the reason they should do that 
is because and all we can go on right now is the Chiefs' defensive scheme does involve Bob Sutton. He doesn't require elite corners for his system. He's not Wade Phillips who specifically wants elite corners and then start, works backwards from there. Sutton's more about the pass rush, so you want to sure up the pass rush first. We'll address this a little bit later. I don't foresee D Ford and Justin Houston both coming back, so you will need a third pass rusher to go with Chris Jones and whichever one of those two that's here. So I would say a pass rusher is probably first on my priority list. So if you have a pass rusher rated ahead of a corner, absolutely go that route. And I think you can probably get two second, third, fourth round corners if you move back into the fourth round, up or down, that can compete for the way Sutton runs his defense. Yeah, I you know I think that that's my methodology as well. I want a defensive lineman or an edge. I want a front seven impact player in Bob Sutton's defense. That's when his best defenses have been here is guys that can disrupt and affect the passer up front, not necessarily on the back end. I do agree that they're going to need a couple guys. I think Skandrick's out, and I think Nelson is playing his way into a fairly – Decent contract there, maybe not one that I would like to match for the Chiefs. So I, I do think that they need to address it in the second round, probably. There's a couple of guys that are interesting there. We'll see, but they'll probably go after another veteran, like Matt said. Bob doesn't need elite corners. Get another veteran, maybe take a young guy and try and roll with those three guys and hope for the development of Charvarius Ward, Tremont Smith, and guys like that. Yeah, I think their best chance to get disruption from their front would be going in round one and maybe even in a trade-up. And I think there's some value in that round two range, potentially at the cornerback position, just based on what we're what we've seen so far. Um, you know, we're we're doing a little bit of draft work, obviously, because we love it and we're nerds. But um, I think there's more value uh, potentially that you can still get a decent corner in that second round range. But I don't think you can get the same kind of disruption that you're wanting. Uh, by waiting until, you know, the second round. Um, uh, so we had a question that kind of was similar from both at Joseph Hefe and at Chief DG. Both these guys listen a lot. Thanks for listening. Uh, if, uh, if Pat beats the touchdown record, is there any way he doesn't get the MVP? Uh, and if he doesn't break the record, is there any way he does get the MVP? Um, it's It's weird because... I think, you know, I think Mahomes has been more explosive than what Drew Brees has done, but I think a lot of people are just really impressed with what Drew Brees has done from an efficiency standpoint that I think, and and it is, it's kind of, this, this award I don't think is, it's media driven obviously, so I think that there's a really good narrative behind giving Drew Brees his first MVP award, which it is kind of amazing that he's never been the NFL MVP. So I think it's just kind of this weird, like, I, it doesn't matter that much to me. I think it'd be cool for Pat to get the MVP award, honestly. But like, I just, I think Drew Brees is going to get it. I don't really know if it matters whether or not Mahomes breaks the TD record, honestly. I think if he does break the TD record, that they have to give it to him. I think that that's that's separation. Brees has been phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. The completion percentage statistic is mind blowing. I I can't believe that he's up over what is it 76 77 percent right now i mean that's that's tough to do against air and he's doing that against nfl defenses <laughs> and it's it's a really hard conversation to have because of that because i do think that there will be the nostalgia factor there and also you know you got aaron donald i'm still campaigning aaron donald for mvp over here but i i don't think that he's going to beat out either Pat or Drew Brees, if they both finish the way that they are right now, I do think that it's probably Brees, though. That's okay. Pat will get it in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm with Craig here. If he breaks the record, I don't see how they cannot give it to him. I, as you said, it is a little bit of a media-driven award. You put out there that this first-year starting quarterback, it just broke the TV record. Like, There's no way that's not going to go up there, especially because that likely means the Chiefs end the year with two losses and a one seed. There's, I don't see a way that he could break the record and not get it. If he doesn't break the record but gets up over 50, I still think he can win it. The issue is, up until about two weeks ago, Drew Brees was playing phenomenal. But he was making easy and just average level NFL throws, most of his throws. 
these last two weeks, he started to put together the better kind of highlight plays that you're going to run through on YouTube when you're trying to vote for this if you're you know part of the media team or whatever that's voting on it. So Breeze has picked up the difficulty level of his play, which I think definitely helps his case. So it might be pretty contingent on who loses more games. And really a big thing is if Patrick Mahomes has another three, four, five turnover game and a game where they don't score 50 points, then that's really going to hurt him. Like he can't go out and score 28 points and have five turnovers again. That won't be acceptable. So it's kind of, I think it's up to Mahomes to lose at this point in time. And as far as Aaron Donald goes, if he, what if happens if he breaks the sack record? I think he needs eight and a half sacks to break it in the next six games. He's averaging over a sack a game so far this year. What if he gets 24 sacks? Does that put him back in the mix? It puts it, I, yes, it absolutely should. I, he'd be 100% deserving of it. I think one thing we could see potentially is voters taking into consideration, like using the Rams game as a benchmark for Mahomes versus Breeze, and Breeze went out and won that game, and Pat had you know, the five turnover performance. Like I could see something like that happening. I'm just, I don't know. I, I have a feeling that like the, the, the hype train around Drew Brees is already super high. And it's really hard for me to, to, to think well. that. I know, I know, but it's just, I mean, Mahomes is setting the world on fire with touchdown passes right now. Like he might break 50, like it's very feasible and it doesn't feel like, it feels like he's really drifted, drifted out of this race almost like no one's even really talking about Mahomes, the MVP candidate right now. It feels like it's very heavily Drew Brees, which I, I I'm not going to knock either, but like, you, you know what I'm saying? Sorry. Uh, at Kenny with the Coke asks, is this Justin Houston's last year as a Kansas City Chief? Yes, I do think so. I think that when it comes down to it, the salary that Justin Houston is going to have on the books next year is 20 plus million dollars. If you cut him, there is 7 million of dead money and there's 14 million of cap space, you can tag D Ford and pay the same amount of money. Right now, Justin Houston and D Ford both have an injury history. D Ford appears to be on the way up in his career path. He is progressing. He's learning from Mike Smith. He's developing as a pass rusher. Justin Houston, meanwhile, is on the way down. He's getting older. I just think that D Ford is the guy that you want to allocate that money to next year. And the, really the only way that you can do that in my mind without restructuring. And I don't want to add more money to Justin Houston's contract is to go ahead and cut Justin Houston. Yeah. And I mentioned, well, first of all, Kenny, we're going to go ahead and pour one out or seven for the LSU Tigers and that barn burner of a overtime game, losing to A&M like that with some questionable ref calls. So we're going to pour one out real quick for you. And then, yeah, I'm with Craig. This is a got to be Justin Houston's last year unless something crazy happens these, over these next couple weeks and Houston just hands down plays better than D Ford or D Ford gets injured again, which is entirely possible. But D Ford's still clearly the better player of the two. I understand that you have to eat some money to get rid of Houston, but the difference between what you save and then what you're going to pay Ford isn't too much to worry about when you consider the fact that, again, he's simply been a better player. I think you kind of have to. You can't keep both going in the next year. The one issue, and like I said, like Craig said, it's kind of scary to give more money to Houston, but if you can convince him to restructure, which he wasn't super loose with negotiating with the Chiefs in the past, but maybe he will be now, you could maybe try to push some of the money down the road if it's going to be more favorable for the Chiefs and keep them both, but I just don't think that's likely. I think more likely than not, you see Houston gone. I think this has even made it over to SI now as... We had Andy Benoit today say that he thought this was a real possibility to franchise tag D Ford and let Houston go. And he's not just coming up with this opinion on his own. Somebody somewhere has kind of heard this going around some form of inner circle or he wouldn't be putting it out there in the public. Yeah. I uh, I would be interested to see if, if motivated just Justin Houston continues for the rest of the season because he has played pretty well lately. But yeah, I do think it's probably Justin Houston's last year in Kansas City. There's like $14 million that they can save by moving on from him. Uh, at Mr. C. David asks, is there a way the Raiders could beat the Chiefs? And in your estimation, what would that game look like? Since I saw this question, I, I think I've told you guys before, I don't really look at any of our rundown before the thing starts. I see your guys' questions and like them, but I don't read them and really think about them. So th when I first saw this when we started this podcast, I started thinking in my head, all right, 
how could the Raiders possibly beat the Chiefs? And the first thing that comes in for an inferior team to beat a superior team is a bunch of turnovers. So I start thinking, okay, Pat has five turnovers again. Oh, wait, they just scored 50 points on a much better defense when he had five turnovers. There's no way in heck Derek Carr's going to two-yard check down his way into fourth down sacks down the field and score 54 points. Like, I just... For the Chiefs to lose this game, something incredibly weird has to happen, and it can't even just be turnovers. Like, there has to be something so off about this game that doesn't work that I, I literally cannot think of how that game would play out for the Chiefs to lose this one. Yeah, I can't either. I know the Raiders beat this Chiefs team last year. That was with Alex Smith. That was without some of the pass rushers that the Chiefs have this year. That was without just some overall better play, and their roster was about eight years younger overall on average than it is right now. I don't see a way that the Raiders can really beat the Chiefs. I think that the Chiefs can win this going away with one hand tied behind their back it just uh, there's no real scenario that I can think of that it that it can happen and that's there's very few teams that I could say that about in the NFL uh yeah there's it's not happening I mean like I just I I really can't there's no feasible way unless you know like I'm pretty sure that they could win with Chad Henney like I'm pretty sure if Chad Henney was the one Chase Litton if Chase Litton's if Chase Litton's the guy, they still have a decent chance, I think. Um, okay, last question. I thought this was really cool. Is our guy Keith McLean? Uh, when did you become a Chiefs fan, and what drew you to love this team? All right, so this is kind of fun. Uh, growing up, my dad was. I grew up in Kansas City or around the area, so my dad was a big Chiefs fan. He lived there his whole life, so we went to Chiefs games, did all that stuff. However, he was also a little bit of like a 49ers fan with the whole Jerry Rice. Everybody, I think, in that era kind of loved Jerry Rice. Craig will know. He'll tell us about it. And so um, (laughs) I kind of grew up as a big Jerry Rice fan. One of the first drafts I can remember is Randy Moss. I forget which year it is now, but going to the Vikings and just watching this kid. 98, I think. Yeah, it's it's got to be 97, 98 because it was right. I think it was, was it the same year that the Chiefs took Tony or was it the year after? Anyway, it's right around then. But... I remember the Randy Moss draft. I was like, oh, wow, Randy Moss, this kid's amazing. Why does no team want him? Like, I'm I'm 11 years old at the time, or 8 years old at the time, and they're like, I couldn't figure out why nobody wanted Randy Moss watching his highlight film. So I became a Vikings fan very briefly. I even went to a Chiefs game at Arrowhead with a Randy Moss jersey on. Chiefs fans were great. I was a kid, though, but I just liked Randy Moss. Didn't really understand, like, the whole team aspect of football yet. I just liked players. And about two, three years later, when Dick Vermeil got to the Chiefs, I think we're thinking 2001 now, Tony Gonzalez is rolling. The Chiefs are now a lot more fun to watch because, you know, they have an offense again. And it just kind of slowly turned over from just liking players to understanding the concept of the team and the city and how great Arrowhead was. So just slowly became a huge Chiefs fan, got to watch Priest Holmes, and he was probably the biggest influence. Him and Tony just kind of working together on the team, kind of growing it up. But those are the two biggest influences. But it was the fact that the Chiefs had a fun team kind of as I was coming into understanding teams versus players, if that makes sense. That's awesome. Um, For me, so I'm pretty sure my first Chiefs memory was one of the Colts' home playoff losses. Oh, (laughs) Like 95-ish? Yeah. I think, like, yeah, like with Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh was the quarterback. Uh, So (laughs) that was literally one of my first memories. My mom actually went to that game with uh, with somebody and, um, like, one of her girlfriends. So, like, I was kind of like, oh, that's cool. I started watching that game. So my fandom was rooted in, like, misery. (laughs) Um, But I just – I think that's kind of one of the games that start – you know, made me fall in love with football. I used to draw, like, full murals of players, like – I I loved I loved I just started falling for the game of football. The Chiefs were there at the very beginning of that. Went to my first game at Arrowhead. Tishmanga Biakabatuka and the Carolina oh. Panthers in a preseason game. Yeah, how about that? I always remember that. I, I think I still have the ticket somewhere. But um, it's just it's always been part of part of what I am and what you know. I I love the Chiefs. I love the Royals. Um, I've kind of grown up in this area most of my life. But but um, you like the Jets, I, I you really, know. Two out of three. Okay. Yeah, I do like. Let's go. Um, 
but I, I don't know. It's I, I love the Chiefs and I always have, and it's always been a part of like my memories. Some of my first memories, I think, even like five years old, were you know, the Chiefs losing in the playoffs. So, <laughs> yeah, for me, uh, I'm I'm older than these guys. I don't know if you guys <laughs> knew that they 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 may have mentioned it once or twice. Nah, uh, I I felt what was Lenny Dawson's career like? <laughs> <laughs> He's great. Do He's you remember fantastic. when they merged the league? You know what? It was. <laughs> No, for me it was uh, it was the late '80s, early '90s. Uh, I, my oh, family wow. was Chiefs fans, so grew up in Southeast Kansas. So we just kind of became Chiefs fans as, by proxy there. But it was it was Christian Okoye. It was drafting Derek Thomas. I think is one of the very first things that I really remember and being excited for him and seeing him kind of kind of blow up immediately i mean you know just hit the ground run it was it was fun to watch that team and then you know the the mid 90s came around and joe montana you know coming over from the 49ers i remember i was at a track meet and they announced they stopped a track meet at ku to announce the fact that the chiefs had traded for joe montana it was one of it still confounds me that they put everything on halt to do that and so I I just kind of always grown up around it but those guys were really what got me into it and got me really interested especially in the defensive side of the ball Craig were you running in that track meet no I was not running in that track meet I was there my mom was a track coach so I was there as a kid it's kind of amazing. I legitimately thought that you were like running junior high pole vaulting and uh, and they announced that. Well, that's that, that would be something amazing. amazing because we'd find out that Craig was a pole vaulter and that Kent is an artist. So anybody that has art requests, Kent can get you a mural of any <laughs> Chiefs player that you would like. Or if you would just like Craig's angry or happy face photoshopped on something, I can give you a rough that, version of that. By the way, that's not art. I don't, I don't know if anybody's told you yet. That's not art, Kent. Definitely oh, it's art. not art. It's art. <laughs> well, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We will have actual football to talk about next week as the Chiefs beat the Raiders and Patrick Mahomes throws 48 touchdowns. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.